explosion of Red Wolves knowledge. It's time to get to the business of talking Red Wolves athletics. The only officially unofficial podcast of its kind. Get your wolves up. It's the Wolfcast on ASURW.com. And welcome to the Wolfcast, your officially unofficial Red Wolves fans podcast. Uh, Today I'm your host, Jesse, along with Jeremy and Terry. Wolves up, guys. Wolves up. Wolves up. Well, just a quick reminder for everybody out there in the Red Wolf podcast land, you can find uh, the Wolfcast at ASURW.com. Um, where you can subscribe to our iTunes page, our Stitcher page, um, which are great places to get the Wolfcast on the regular. You can also find our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and uh, all sorts of other cool stuff. Just uh, great ways to follow the Wolfcast and uh, who knows what. Anyway, <laughs> guys, well, here we are. We're, we're back into another preseason podcast. Get to talk about um, the season coming up. Um, and so, some pretty ex- exciting stuff to talk about. As always, um, we love just chatting Wolfcast and uh, Red Wolves and, and all of that stuff. Um, just a, a quick look. You know, right now the guys are, uh, the team's practicing, getting ready for the season. Um, we've had a, <laughs> we had a scare the other day. Um, one of our players going down with a, a foot injury, but uh, it seems like everything's going all right. I want to turn to you guys and, and get, get your thoughts. Uh, what have you been hearing uh, practice report-wise um, from the Red Wolves. I'll turn to you first, Jeremy, and uh, just give us a quick update of what we're hearing coming out of practice. Well, you mentioned it. The first thing is certainly big is that we haven't heard of any major injuries so far out of camp, which is huge. Last year, on the injury front, it was pretty much no way to sugarcoat it. The whole season was an utter disaster as far as the injuries go. And so far, you know, we're a couple weeks into camp and nothing but you know, nicks and bruises is somewhat of a, uh, a victory. Things that uh, you're hearing on reports from scrimmages, coaches, and uh, casual observers, and message boards, and the like, is that the defensive line is vastly improved and uh, is competing and getting in the backfield consistently. Um, that is a great thing because we didn't see that very often last year. Um, and conversely, the offensive line, at least in the last scrimmage, had a few problems. You don't worry as much about them because you've got more bodies and, and you've got a little bit more experience on that side of the ball. And you feel that's that they'll come around. But it's good to see some uh, guys up front competing on the defensive line. And, and if we can win some battles up front, we don't have to dominate up front, but we just have to hold our own because we've got skill position guys who can win us some ball games. But we just cannot get mauled like, like happened in the last four or five ball games last year. Yeah, uh, Terry, I'll turn to you and just kind of get your thoughts. I mean, what coming out of uh, practice reports and so on has kind of been a surprise? What are some question marks you think we, we still have to answer? Well, I think definitely the the biggest question marks are still going to be with the offensive line, just to see how they gel, how they stay healthy. Um, you know, that was a, a point of emphasis on kind of our weaknesses last, last season, uh, just inconsistent offensive line play and and you know we talked a little bit about this last week on the on the podcast about how we were inconsistent on picking up third downs and things like that and a lot of that can be attributed to the offensive line and offensive line play and so you know that's one of the things that it, we a lot of people are keeping their eye real closely on this this fall is watching to see uh, how our offensive line shapes up and 
and see what improvements can be made. They've got a, a you know a little bit more depth this season as long as we can stay healthy, um, which is gonna, which is going to be you know a big help. So that they've, they've got uh, bodies to rotate in. Um, but right now they're just trying to find the right mixture of guys. Um, they've shuffled some guys around position wise. Um, some guys playing positions that they, you know, didn't play last year, kind of new setup. So just finding that right mix. Um, as far as other surprises, I mean, Jeremy kind of touched on it. We talked about it last, last week a little bit is the depth on the defensive line. I think that, uh, you know, that's a huge factor and a huge difference that we're going to see. But it sounds like, um, you know, there are some, young guys coming in and pushing some of the veterans for uh, playing time. A uh, kid like Griffin Riggs uh, playing really well on the defensive line. He's a true freshman. Um, it, you know, that's not really something you always see is uh, a young guy like that coming in and uh, pushing experienced guys, uh, you know, and really coming in and competing. And so uh, also uh, freshman Warren Wand, uh, running back that we recruited out of Norman, Oklahoma, uh, he uh, has really come in and, and made a uh, you know a big impression at the running back position. Uh, one of the things specifically that uh, I've heard talk about with him is his ability to block in pass coverage. Uh, he's a he's a really small guy. He's really kind of one of those uh, small, fast, quick guys. But uh, he does really well in blocking. It's kind of he's kind of got a knack for it. It seems like so. That's a, that's a really good thing to see, and that's going to probably, you know, get him some playing time if he keeps up, uh, you know, that during camp. So um, I think overall, just out of practice, we had our first scrimmage this past Saturday, um, and I think uh, the first went about like, you know, it could be expected. Uh, there's always going to be one uh, scrimmage, it seems like, where we come out looking kind of, you know, dazed and confused or, you know, uh, like we didn't come out 100%, and I think that's what we kind of saw Saturday. There were sound like some bright spots um, with uh, some of the plays, you know, being made and uh, things like that. But I think overall, um, you know, it was it was just kind of not exactly what uh, we wanted to see. Um, but there's lots of you know time to improve, so uh, there will have a couple more scrimmages before the end of fall camp and. And so uh, they've got lots of time, lots more practice, and uh, we've got experience coming back. So I don't think that uh, we've got too much to worry about. With these guys, it, I'll jump back in here. It, it'll be the little things that make the difference between a really good season and just kind of an average season. It's it's the stuff like uh, you know not jumping off sides and putting yourself against the chains and uh, making sure you – find ways to find your assignments that way you can pick up the third and twos uh, you know making your PATs and your average range field goals consistently uh, stuff like that not fumbling it's the little things that if we do those things right it will make a dramatic difference in our win-loss total and um, you know it's a lot of that is not beating ourselves and I think a lot of that will come from having a coaching staff around for a second year and, and having some guys who have been through the fire a little bit. So, um, you know, the outlook's got to be positive. Uh, certainly there's a long way to go, but, you know, there's still time to get there, and uh, and uh, we're just going to hope that uh, that they keep improving at the, the rate that they should be. Yeah, I always think that um, when you kind of get in this part of, uh, of practice of camp, you just kind of 
one of the big things you're fighting against is complacency and you know you get you kind of get in the middle of it and you know it's easy to kind of lose focus on what your you know your ultimate goal is is to become a better football team and win win a championship but it becomes one of those things where you're just like getting through the day, <laughs> slogging through it so you can just do the next practice. Um, you know, and, and hopefully that that's something that the guys are fighting, that the guys do keep into focus, you know, their ultimate goal and work harder, improve each and every day and get better each and every day. And that be their main focus. So anyway, some interesting stuff kind of coming out of camp. Um, pretty exciting to, to kind of check in and, and, and see what's going on. Uh, hopefully this this will mean positive things for the Red Wolves when the season rolls around that they'll be ready to go. Um, and and speaking of the season rolling around, there's some there's some big challenges. Let's just take a quick look at the season and how it kind of sets up for the Red Wolves. Very similar to what we've seen in the past with you know our first four games being out of conference games. Um, two of those games against larger opponents or I guess uh, bigger conference opponents probably a better way to put it. Um, we have a a uh, FCS game, and then also a, a, a game amongst, uh, I guess, a peer conference. So just kind of looking at it quickly, um, Red Bull will start off on the road against uh, South uh, Southern Cal. Uh, pretty exciting game down in L.A. Um, should be one that most people can catch uh, on television or on ESPN3 or something along those lines. Then the big game everybody's been looking forward to for a while. It's not being played in St. Louis. It's being played in Jonesboro, that's when the Missouri Tigers come to town for the home opener. Pretty exciting game. I know a lot of Red Wolves fans are excited about that game. Following week, home game against uh, the FCS opponent, Missouri State. Uh, Follow-up, going to Toledo, Ohio, to take on the Toledo Rockets. Um, followed up by a home game um, where we get into conference play against the Idaho Vandals. Next week, the following week will be a bye week. Um, but we'll roll into a Tuesday night game at South Alabama. The next week will be another Tuesday night game at home against Lafayette. Then we get back into Saturday play, Georgia State. Then two road games, App State, Monroe, another bye. Then a road game against uh, New Mexico State. And finally, our home closeout senior game against Texas State. Um, just kind of looking at... The schedule is very reminiscent of previous seasons. Um, we have a couple Tuesday night games. Unfortunately for, for a lot of Red Bulls fans, one of those games is uh, a Tuesday night home game. Um, and then we kind of have a break where we see three road games over the course of four weeks with a bye week in there. So it's going to be a pretty good break. And then you come back for the senior game, senior day um, against Texas State. So just kind of looking at this schedule, um, Terry, I'm going to ask you, how do you think it sets up uh, not only for the Red Wolves but for fans? I mean, what are your thoughts on the 2015 schedule? Well, it starts out tough. Uh, you know, of course, we're going to have our two biggest tests right off the bat, uh, traveling to USC, playing on the West Coast, different time, two-hour time zone difference. Um, we've done it before, but it, uh, it's been a couple years since we've played on the West Coast like that, uh, since 2012 when we played Oregon. Um but USC and Missouri are going to be tough games. They're, you know, Power 5 conference uh, opponents. They're going to give us all they have, and we're hopefully going to give them all we all we have. Uh, we we do get a little bit of a break coming back home, playing FCS team uh, Missouri State, um, which is probably good that we kind of get a little bit of an easier break there. 
but then we traveled to Toledo to play them for the second time in 2015. Um, and, and that's not going to be a gimme. I think personally that we have a good shot, uh, at redemption against them after, uh, losing, uh, to them in the GoDaddy bowl back in January, but, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, and, uh, I think, you know, I think the, the tale is going to be how we respond after those two big games, um, potential, you know, potential losses, uh, USC, Missouri, uh, hopefully we come out and and really hang with them and and show what we can do. But uh, you know that's you know to be determined. But uh, beyond that, it's good to get the first conference game at home to try to you know kind of get that under our belt and set a tone for conference play. Uh, and uh, you know who better to to get it right off the bat for conference play than Idaho, so that we can uh, put a whooping on the the quote unquote bullies of the Sun Belt. Uh, so I think overall, uh, you know, our schedule starts out tough, but, you know, I think we can go in the conference play. I think we've got a, a chance of really picking up some steam playing Idaho and then traveling to South Alabama, uh, South Alabama, I think could be a wild card this year. Kind of like we talked last week about, uh, you know, all those transfers that they picked up from UAB to kind of see how that fits uh, in their system and how all that goes be, you know, we really don't know. There's going to be a lot of players that we've never had any experience with seeing play. Uh, so that's going to be different. And we do get uh, our recent arch nemesis, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, back at home uh, after uh, playing on the road against them last season. So that, uh, you know, that gives us a slight advantage getting them uh, at Centennial Bank Stadium rather than traveling down to, to Lafayette uh but I think uh, I think we're gonna have a tough stretch through November with uh, three straight road games. Uh, one of those being App State. We all know how that game turned out at home last season. Kind of a surprising loss to them. Um, but uh, we get to travel Louisiana Monroe. Hopefully, I think uh, some of us are gonna actually try to to make that road trip. It's always a fun trip, and hopefully, we go down there and and put a uh, whooping on the on the Warhawks. But uh, I think that uh, overall we have a good shot of hopefully getting, like I said, you know, picking up some steam early and uh, setting the tone for the rest of the season. Hopefully we don't have too many injuries throughout those first four non-conference games so that we can, you know, be healthy for conference play and really, you know, show what we can, uh, what we can do and that we're here to stay at the top of the Sun Belt. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little concerned about that that rogue game swing. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But, you know, that, that Monroe game would be a good opportunity for Red Wolves fans to kind of break that up and make Monroe a, not necessarily a home field advantage, but, you know, travel down there, give these guys a little uh, reminder of what they're playing for, um, for the fans and so on. But, you know, uh, it, it sets up like most every other schedule. You know, there's, there's not much you control you have over it other than those la- those first few games. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a positive uh, results for for the Red Wolves all around. Uh, Jeremy, I want to turn to you. I mean, what do, what do you think about how the schedule sets up for the Red Wolves? It's pretty tough. Uh, the uh, thing you worry about uh, with the schedule is that you know it, this is a year that most Red Wolf fans have been looking forward to for a while. It's it's the year we got a, you know a new stadium expansion. It's the year that we've got a SEC team coming to Jonesboro for the first time since 2001. Uh, there's a lot of 
it's a year that we have a coach back. There's a, a lot of things that we're excited about here. But that train could derail in a hurry if we start, say, one and three. And we can't let that happen as a team or as fans or anything because we got to realize the, the winnable games on this one are in the middle to the back half of the schedule. Uh, now, not saying we can't win some of those early ones, but it gets better, you know, kind of kind of toward the middle part when you've got your Idaho's and your Georgia States and, you know, t New Mexico States and teams like that, kind of on the, the middle to back half. Um, so the wins are there to be had, but you just got to stay healthy. You've just got to, you know, gain some sort of semblance of rhythm as a team. And, and, and you got to, you know, as fans, you got to stay behind them and stay confident and realize that it's a long season. It's not, a, it's not uh, made during the month of September. And uh, as far as the Toledo game, I, I think that's a huge swing game for this team. I think if we can come out of the first four games, two and two, then we're really set to roll for the rest of this season. Um, it, it, you know, throws you in a lot of momentum going to the conference. You beat a team that's projected to be at the top of the MAC. There's a team that, you know, beat you in, in a lot of uh, ways in a game that most people consider to be a physical, almost even dirty match uh, in the 2015 GoDaddy Bowl. And it's a team that we want to beat badly. Uh, now they, it's not going to be easy. They got a lot of players back. They've got uh, both their quarterbacks back, including uh, the one that started against ASU and uh, Ely, who's a transfer from Alabama, who um, was injured most of last year. So um, and a, and you can't forget Kareem Hunt, who is a uh, he's a he's an NFL running back. He really is. He's that good. Um, what you got to hope for in that game is their losses up front will 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 be the difference, and ASU will be able to hold their own up front this time with a revamped defensive line and take care of the football, not allowing them easy scores. So to me, I have that Toledo game circled as the game that can really swing this season in a lot of ways. That game is easily the best indicator of how we're going to perform in conference play. Uh, just because they're yes, they're very close, they're closer caliber wise uh, to anything that we're going to see in the Sun Belt. Um, you know these non-conference games, and probably the top end of the Sun right, Belt. Right, in these non-conference games, you know we go play a USC or a you know an Auburn or whoever early in the season. That really tells us nothing about our team. It's just the same as when we play an FCS team. You know, we go put you know put up fifty five points on the FCS team, you know, or shut them out or whatever. But what does that say? It doesn't say a whole lot. I mean, the, the evidence of that is two thousand thirteen when we played UAPB and just uh, put a whooping on them, and then you know thought we were going to be world beaters, and then come around and you know that wasn't actually the case early on in the season. So uh, I think that Toledo game is going to be a great lead in to conference play. Uh, and I think Jeremy's spot on with all that he said about uh, what that game means and what's on the line with that game. Yeah, just looking quickly, I mean, it looks like Toledo's been picked to win their division in the MAC um, preseason-wise. I mean, they're going to be a good team, and we've got to go there. It's not going to be an easy game. I'm looking. They don't lose much at the glass ball either. Yeah, I'm looking at these games in the middle of the season, guys. That kind of set up and scare me a little bit. 
a Tuesday night game in Mobile against South Alabama. Um, South Alabama's a wild card. They play well at their home stadium, and it's a Tuesday night game. Um, you know, and, and they've got a lot of new players from UAB. I think they just named their starting quarterback, who is a former Birmingham Blazer. I believe that's correct. Um, and then we follow it up with a, a Tuesday night game against Lafayette and Jonesboro. And I know it's a home game, but I don't know. I just think these Tuesday night games really throw us off. I would be much more comfortable with home field advantage on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. Just puts the schedule off kilter. Just kind of the routine. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, that, that kind of, I think, is a disadvantage for us as a home team. Um, but, you know, whatever. Um, App State, that's a, a November game, early November, and it's in Boone, North Carolina. And, I, you know, no early November could go either way, but there's potential for that to be, you know, cold, really cold weather. <laughs> when yep, we're playing so. a lot of these games. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of these games that are southern, um, a little bit more temperate uh, kind of climate, uh, and so we we're looking at potential of a, a cold weather game that our guys haven't really had to experience um, in a, in a while. Um, that so those those three games right in the middle of the season kind of um, I think will be a test as well. Uh, I don't think there's any for sure wins. Uh, that we can just really count on. I mean, you know, we could fall asleep on a New Mexico or a Texas state. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of questions in there. Um, and I think we will really be able to figure it out. Um, middle of the season, you know, what our guys drive is, you know, games that we probably should win, but you, you know, aren't going to be gimme. So, um, things to watch for should be an interesting season for sure. Um, and, and a good one for Red Wolves fans. So hopefully you got your season tickets and are excited about, the games uh, and are looking forward to it, especially this first game against Missouri where we get to play host to an SEC opponent. And, guys, let's just talk a little bit about the game day atmosphere and the setup and, and the tailgating and all of the excitement that comes with it. Obviously, new facilities that we kind of get to, to check out. Um, what are you looking forward to uh, as far as the, the atmosphere um, and and tailgating and so on? Uh, Jeremy, I'll turn to you. I mean, the the game the game day atmosphere um, how's it setting up for the Red Wolves this season? Fantastic. Um, I there's there's two really marquee games in the schedule, and uh, of course Louisiana Lafayette happens to be on a Tuesday, but um, it's part of a a mini ticket plan uh, offered by the the uh, university, which is a great deal. Uh, but that is a game that our fans like to win. And uh, we owe them uh, from, quite honestly, they owned us the last couple of years. And, and uh, we, uh, we have something to owe them in, in return this year. Uh, but that home opener against Missouri, when you've got uh, new press box and luxury box seating opening, when you've got an SEC team coming to Jonesboro, not only an SEC team, but the two-time defending SEC East champions who happen to be you know, just a few hundred miles from your campus. Um, that is uh, is a great matchup and, and a premium ticket. And I'll just have to say this, um, buy season tickets, guys, because um, that's the best way to get a good seat for this ball game. It's the, uh, it, it's the most economical thing, and we'll talk more about that later. But um, you, you don't want to miss this because this is going to be I really expect to to pull into the stadium sometime around you know nine or ten that Saturday morning 
and expect to see tailgating tents, tailgating campers, um, you know, parking lots full of fans from both teams, quite honestly. Missouri's going to bring a crowd, uh, several thousand people. And uh, it's going to be a big-time college football atmosphere, the likes of that we have not seen in Centennial Bank Stadium. So uh, just uh, just be ready. It's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely some exciting stuff going on. Uh, Terry, I'm going to turn to you. I mean, what are you most looking forward to um, when it comes to uh, the game day? I think I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how loud we can get the stadium. You know, I've I've been to a couple games there that uh, were you know extremely loud. You know, just the crowd and getting into the game, and really anxious to see uh, how people get into this game. I, I really expect a sellout in that Missouri game, and I really want to see how that new press box expansion because it takes up more space it's a big building how that's going to hold the sound more into the into the stadium um i'm just anxious to just see how loud that it it really is going to get in there because i really anticipate it being just awesome i I just i can't i can't hardly wait just to just be (laughs) in that stadium you know, when they play that intro video and, and the team comes rolling out of the tunnel with uh, with Hal on his motorcycle, I just don't know that that is going to be matched anytime in the near future. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm just excited overall. I think that there's an excitement in the air that's going to carry through the whole season with, you know, just people are excited about all the changes, new facilities, new team recent success we've got the same coaches for a second year i think all of that is kind of building up you know to an excitement level that we saw when malzon was in town um you know everybody was you know there was just a perpetual buzz the entire season and i think that we're kind of getting back to that point um so i'm just excited just honestly for football season to be back but i really i I've been waiting for this Missouri game for so long um, just to just experience that feeling of a big team coming into town and veiling, you know, the new facilities and stuff like that. I just – I can't believe that it's it's going to be matched anytime soon. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely some excitement, guys. I'm I'm just looking forward to being there, being being with friends and so on. Um, you know, got, got my tickets, got my season tickets. So looking forward to that home opener, the tailgating – um, and just just reconnecting with a lot of those friends that we don't see sometimes except for at the home games, and then just celebrating um, great plays and victories uh, by the Red Wolves. I know there's going to be new, exciting things, uh, you know, whether it be from the band or, you know, what they kind of work in video-wise and all that kind of stuff, but it's just going to be a great atmosphere for Red Wolves fans to get together and uh, enjoy some time together. So should should be a great thing. One One thing I left off that I wanted to say, um, I really want to encourage people that are, are coming this season to make it a point to get out early and do some tailgating. There's, you know, if you haven't experienced tailgating anywhere or at A State games, um, there's not much, you know, else that you can do that that's as fun as tailgating before the games. To me, tailgating is half the fun of the game itself, and so I really encourage people to 
to get out and tailgate, especially for the Missouri game, I think we're going to see one of the biggest tailgating crowds that we've ever seen. Uh, and there's going to be lots of Missouri fans out there tailgating. But I just encourage people to get out, tailgate, experience that. And I think that part of building our game day atmosphere is building tailgating, um, you know, building that crowd. And it just it just kind of adds a little something special to the air, um, you know, on game day. And so I just – that's – that's one thing I really encourage people to do is is go experience some tailgating. For uh, for guys like us, let's face it, tailgating is one of the things that we look forward to most in any given calendar year. At least I can say that for me. I think I can say that for both of you guys too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it definitely adds um, not only to your experience but the overall experience. Um, and you get an opportunity to meet some new Red Wolves fans. It's just a great thing. It's right. a great thing to be a part of. So, anyway, guys, um, well, we've kind of done all we can with this first segment, so let's put it to a close. We'll come back on the second segment and talk a little bit about um, other teams in the Sun Belt and what we can kind of expect uh, this upcoming season. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Wolfcast on ASURW.com. <laughs> And welcome back to the Wolfcast on ASURW.com, your officially unofficial Red Wolves fans podcast. Um, guys, let's talk a little bit about some of the players you expect to have a big impact in the Sun Belt this year. Not just for the Red Wolves, but on the other teams in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, we talked last week a little bit about the, the top tier teams um, and kind of the middle tier and so on. Um, Terry, I want to turn to you. I mean, who are some of these players that you expect to see um, that maybe ASU will have to kind of put a little dot on when it when it comes to game prep, or that you might see, uh, you know, in some highlight reels throughout the season, um, throughout the Sun Belt. What players do you expect to have a big impact um, in the Sun Belt this season? There's a there's a handful of players to look out for, uh, you know, spread out among a few different uh, Sun Belt teams. Uh, offensively, uh, there's a few, you know, headline, of course, by Elijah McGuire running back from, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, uh, who was a preseason all, all Sun Belt, uh, first team offensive player selection. Uh, and then we've got, uh, guys like Marcus Cox, uh, running back from App State. He's a, he was a preseason all Sun Belt second team selection. Uh, and then a Jalen Hawley wide receiver for ULM. He was a preseason All Sun Belt second team uh, offensive selection, uh, and he's one of those uh, Arkansas kids that uh, uh, you know I mentioned last week when we talked about uh, uh, Monroe and their recruiting uh, Arkansas kids. Uh, we've also got um, some guys on defense to really look out for: uh, Mitch Lane, defensive back from uh, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, he was a, a first team. All SB All Sun Belt uh, preseason selection, along with uh, linebacker from ULM Hunter Kissinger, uh, also a second team uh, preseason selection, um, and then Dominique Tovell. Uh, we've heard that name quite a bit uh, over the last couple of years. He's a linebacker from uh, Louisiana Lafayette, very good player. He was a second team selection, and then uh, probably a name that not a lot of people have heard or remember. Uh, but that's David Mims, who is a defensive back uh, for Texas State, and he was a first-team uh, defensive selection. There's talk that he's one of the top uh, defensive players in the conference. Uh, last season he was 19th in the nation 
uh, in interceptions per game. So uh, he's a, he's a ball hawk and uh, uh, definitely one to uh, to watch out for. But you know, the, I think that one thing overall that we can say as far, as far as these players or just all players in the Sun Belt is concerned is uh, the Sun Belt has a lot of talent. The Sun Belt doesn't get a lot of credit for uh, for being what it is, but the Sun Belt does have a lot of really, really talented players, and and uh, quite honestly, a lot of players that could you know be playing at at, at bigger schools. Uh, I think that talent is in our conference, and I just wish more people really gave it that credit that it's due. Um, but that's one thing that I think that uh, we really uh, you know will watch out for is just there's just some playmakers, uh, and it's fun to get to see. You know, it's fun to see our own playmakers, but it's really fun to get to see you know the other playmakers that we go up against as well. Yeah, definitely a lot of good talent in the Sun Belt. Uh, and players to look out for. I mean, uh, guys, you know, I, I shared with you a link um, recently about T.Y. Hilton, a, a former Sun Belt player that's making it big um, right now in, in the NFL and, and got a big deal. I mean, good players come out of this conference, and and it's always good to kind of to see that success. But as Red Wolves fans, we need to know, you know, who to key on um, and who we think are going to make a big impact. Uh, Jeremy, I want to turn to you and, and get your impressions, your thoughts. I mean, who – who do you think in the Sun Belt will have a big impact this season? Well, the the guys I'm kind of interested to see um, are the guys uh, on the favorites, such as uh, Matt Breed and Kevin Elson, who are the uh, running back and quarterback, uh, who are first team and second team all Sun Belt uh, preseason for uh, the uh, defending champions. And uh, what's interesting about them to me is that they pretty much ran at will. Elson, not much a passer, right at 1,000 yards last year, but he actually had more yards rushing than that. He had 1,096 yards rushing um, and 12 touchdowns. Combined uh, with the running back, Breida, who went for uh, 1,485 yards and 17 touchdowns, do the math, that is an average of 8.7 yards per carry. He's got breakaway speed. He's dangerous in the open field. The question is, will he have those opportunities in open field this year? They are totally revamping their offensive line, and it's going to be interesting to see how that will affect their power running game or their kind of a triple option look running game. It's, it's obviously a style that's difficult to defend, but will a year of tape on them in the conference make a difference? I think it will somewhat. Uh, so they, they've got to find a couple. We've got us find a couple of losses for Georgia Southern because quite honestly we don't have the chance to give them any. So uh, that that's that's the key factor to me. Uh, to me the best player in this conference not on Arkansas State is on paper Elijah McGuire. He's he's literally torched us uh, the last couple of years and uh, I mean he is just a junior which is scary. You kind of hope he, uh, he kind of goes pro after this year. Um uh, but uh, you could see from his first year uh, when they came to Jonesboro that um, Harris was the touted one at that point, but McGuire just has an explosion that uh, that you're not used to seeing. When he's got the ball in his hands, it's uh, you can obviously tell he's a different level of an athlete. And, uh, again, they're a team that lost a lot of their offensive line, and we hope that, uh, that you know, we can hit him in the backfield a few times before he gets going. 
Yeah, I definitely think uh, McGuire is going to be that impact player. I mean, uh, picked to be the, the student athlete of the year in the Sun Belt Conference preseason. Um, you know, definitely somebody we're going to have to watch out for. And the, the hope is, is that we can take advantage of some of the other holes to get to him um, when we face Lafayette, um, a game that will be on a Tuesday night. But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm interested to see how some of these guys will step up um, at App State and Georgia Southern. Um, should be pretty interesting this season. Um, a lot of impact players uh, in the Sun Belt that, that we'll want to keep our eyes on. And, and hopefully we'll have a better idea of, of exactly what to expect as we kind of get into Sun Belt play. I mean, we've got a few weeks before we really see any major challenges. Our first, uh, our first four games being uh, non-conference and then Idaho and then a bye. So hopefully we can kind of we can have a, a backstory on some of these players before before we have to face them. So, um, some I was going to say of note also one guy on the uh, the second team all special teamer for the Sun Belt Conference is Derek Keaton, who is an Arkansas State transfer playing for Georgia Southern as they're kind of their a wide receiver, but also a kick return specialist. He of course played uh, in one of the GoDaddy Bowls with us and had a key. Uh, kickoff return off of off of a fumble recovery, yes. Um, I think Frampton muffed a punt, and Keaton picked it up and had a, a long return off of it. So, um, anyway, uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. So. Interesting stuff. Well, well, guys, um, we'll go ahead and make segment two a little bit short, wrap it up, and we'll come back in segment three and just talk a little bit more about um, what we're looking forward to in the season. Um, and season ticket sales and, and just have a, have a little fun in segment three. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Wolfcast on ASURW.com. And welcome back to the Wolfcast on ASURW.com, your officially unofficial Red Wolves podcast. Well, guys, um, let's talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to most this season. Uh, I know we've already talked about the fanfare that we kind of expect game one, um, uh, against Missouri, but, what during the season are you um, looking forward to the most uh, as being a Red Wolves fan? I'll turn to you first, Jeremy, and get your thoughts. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? Two things. Record attendance, both on individual games and as a season average. And also, record number of points from an offense who grows up a little bit under a system and... Uh, Gets to the XYZs, as Walt Bell says, which which make the 42 points a game that we scored in conference go up. That's a scary thought, but it's a, it's a realistic possibility for these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Terry, I'll turn to you. What are you looking forward to this season? Well, great minds think alike. Jeremy kind of stole one of mine. Uh, I was going to say our offensive production, um, just because – uh, Freddie Knighton was actually quoted in an article not too uh, long ago, a couple of weeks ago, or within the last couple of weeks, uh, as saying he thought that if we played uh, played well, essentially, I'm, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but if we played well and mistake-free, that we can score 50 points a game. Uh, and as Jeremy just alluded to, we averaged about 42, a little over 40 points a game last season. So I... I I mean, everybody likes to go watch football for offense, 
Um, you know, some people are old school and like the defense, but offense is what excites people. And, uh, and that's one thing that coach Henderson said that when he, when he came on board is that, uh, he promised that there would be some excitement and, and it would be fun to watch. And, and I think they're living up to that, uh, that hype. And so, you know, that's definitely one of the things I'm looking forward to see if we can really score, you know, 50 plus points a game uh with our high powered offense which would be awesome i mean everybody likes watching touchdowns and it's exciting so um and then we've i mean i feel like i beat a dead horse but it's hard to describe the excitement that we have on you know these the stadium updates and things like that it's just not that we've ever really had a bad stadium but you know it's never been anything to you know really get excited about but now we really are getting facilities and that really are putting us, you know, kind of at the next level uh, and are, you know, making us look like a program that is investing in, you know, wanting to win and wanting to have good stuff, you know, so to speak. And so I'm just really excited to see that press box expansion, you know, to completion, you know, coupled with the new indoor facility, which is I mean, awesome in its own right. Um, and just to see how that changes, just the look and the feel of our stadium overall. Um, you know, I know that that's not really, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, that's not really all that sexy is is a stadium. I mean, it's it's a building. But, you know, it's it's what everybody goes to for every game. It's what we see. It's kind of the face of the program. It's what, when you drive down the road, uh, in Jonesboro, you see it, you know, it's, it's big, it sticks out. So, um, you know, it's kind of a beacon on the hill, so to speak. So I'm just excited to see that complete, you know, a lot of people just never dreamed that we'd have that kind of nice stuff. Uh, and you know what, we've got it, you know, and, and we're even going forward with even bigger and better stuff. So, um, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, definitely. Um, some excitement around the program this season and, God, I, Terry, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of build on what you what you had to say. It's just that that incremental steps that we see season in and season out, um, a program growth, whether it be you know facility improvements or team records or ticket sales or whatever. We see every season just kind of building and building and building, and that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, I don't know if I should or shouldn't expect a Sun Belt championship this year, um, but I don't know that it really matters. I'm gonna be. They're tailgating with my friends, having a good time, watching the games I can't attend, you know, and, and just enjoying myself as a Red Wolves fan, knowing that we're heading in the right direction. So it's definitely a good time to be a Red Wolves fan. Um, this is going to be a great team with some great uh, athletes um, reaching into their junior and senior years. Very exciting stuff. So um, a great time to be a part of this season or a part of this team. This season is going to be, um, I think, another building block on the way to greatness for this program. So very exciting to be a Red Wolves fan. Um, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and absolutely. the community is buying in. That's a, that's one of the biggest changes that I think you can put your finger on over, you know, the last, you know, two or three seasons is we're getting a buy-in and support from our community that we not really, we didn't really always have, um, you know, and that show that's showing up in, our season ticket sales increasing year after year and just funding donations where, you know, our donations are as high as they've ever been in the history of, uh, you know, our athletics program. 
um, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a really big deal. And that's, you know, the increases in, in uh, just attendance that we've seen. That really shows that people are, are starting to tune in, starting to pay attention. They're starting to find a product that's desirable that we're putting out on the field. And, uh, and that's, to me, that's really big. And he, and it's just, it's not huge steps. It's, it's just small steps. Like Jesse said, it's, in, it's incremental, you know, and we just got to keep the momentum going forward. That's the main thing is keep going forward and, you know, not going backwards and we're going to go big places. Yeah, definitely some exciting stuff to watch out for as Red Wolves fans. And speaking of that, speaking of building the program, guys, I want to get your prediction as to, um, how many season tickets you think will be sold this season? I know this is our prediction time of the program. So how many season tickets do you think will be sold for the Red Wolves this season? Um, it seems like every year we're talking about a new record, um, and it sounds like this year is going to be the same way. And we, I know we've got uh, Jason Martin wearing the helmet, right, uh, until we hit 10,000. So um, let's see if that happens. Um, and, and it sounds like we might be well on our way. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to turn to you first to get your prediction. What do you think um, our season ticket sales will be this season? I think it's going to be along the lines of 10,600. And uh, I, we're, last I heard, we're uh, hovering around the mid-8s right now. But I think there's going to be a good push of people who the last week before the Mizzou game uh, say that they really want to go that ball game. And then they call the ticket office and figure out pricing and realize that it really only makes sense to buy the season. And uh, you're going to see quite a few people do that. And uh, people are notorious procrastinators. There's no reason to do that, though, guys. Buy your season tickets. This is a great, great value. And if you want to go to the first game, it really only makes sense to do it. Um, and uh, anyway, so... Uh, Ten six. That's my prediction. All right, ten thousand six hundred, just over that ten thousand threshold. I'll turn to you, Terry. What What's your thoughts? Um, how many season tickets do you foresee being sold? Well, I'm an eternal optimist, um, and I think that uh, you know we're doing really well so far. We're ahead of pace of the same period last year. So I'm going to say, you know, heck, there's no nothing riding on this other than just pride, I suppose, but. I'm going to say that we're going to eclipse 11,000. And I'll say the the main reasoning behind that bold prediction is the response that we had on the new premium seating that the that's going to be available in this new press box. Um all of the premium seating uh or all the suites and the loge boxes that were available sold out months ago. Um and I haven't heard a latest tally on the club seating but uh, back in May, when they did the Red Wolves caravan across the state and made their stop here in northwest Arkansas, uh, uh, Terry Mahajer said that they had sold, out of 344 available club seats, they had sold all, but I think, I think at that time it was 77 or somewhere in the 70s. So back in May, they only had 70-ish uh, club seats left and to sell out the entire allotment of all the new premium seating which to me is an enormous deal. If there is that kind of response for these really high dollar premium seats, I think that there is just as much demand for the other seats. And I really think that, um, 
we're going to eclipse 11,000. I think that we're going to see a big push late. We always do. We have people that procrastinate. Um, but I think that it's going to be a huge record-breaking year, and I think it's going to be made as a big to-do probably at the first home game. They're going to announce that and make a big deal about it. So I'm going to say that we're going to, we're going to slightly eclipse 11,000. All right. Uh, an even bigger number from Terry there. I like it, 11,000. All right, well, my prediction, guys, um, I, I love your optimism, but I'm going to say just 10,300. Uh, 10, that's going to be my prediction. I think that's a good good number. I think anybody would be happy with that. But I'm not quite as optimistic. But I I do think I do think we'll cl- eclipse that ten thousand number. But but who knows? I mean, these are all great numbers to throw out there. You know, a few years ago we would have said you're crazy. You know, if we're if we're pushing over ten thousand for for uh, season ticket sales. Two thousand five, so, um, we had less than four thousand season tickets. So just yeah, to put it in perspective, way. ten years ago, we've probably at least tripled our season ticket base over the course Absolutely. of 10 years. Definitely very exciting. And speaking of season tickets and these sales, everybody needs to go out there and get their season tickets for sure um, right away. Um, it's going to be a great season for the Red Wolves. Well, guys, we've reached the end of another um, Red Wolves uh, Wolfcast podcast, um, officially unofficial here. Um, so thanks for sticking with us. We'll come back next week, talk a little bit more preseason Red Wolves action and uh just get you prepped for the season uh so thanks for uh sticking with us reminder you can find uh and subscribe to us on itunes uh the stitcher page you can find our twitter handle asurw and then also um find our facebook page facebook.com slash asurw um we'll check you next time go out and buy some tickets go get them